0: A big thank you to the TalkPython team who sponsor this episode of the podcast. If you want to get better at Python, now is an excellent time to take an online course. Whether you are just learning Python to delve into great topics like artificial intelligence or you need to go deep into things like APIs and async, my friends at TalkPython Training have a top-notch course for you. Visit talkpython.fm slash mind to find your next level and get a 10% discount. Also a big thank you to all my patrons who support the Engineered Mind Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Engineered Mind podcast. In this podcast, we cover topics such as engineering, artificial intelligence, neuroscience, and other interesting topics to educate, inspire, and engineer people's minds all around the world. I'm your host, Joseph, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm very excited to have Luis Bollinger on my show. Luis Bollinger co-founded the augmented reality startup Hololite. As CMO, he is responsible for marketing and deeply involved in partnerships and the company's strategy. He studied business administration in Munich and worked for analog devices and OSRAM before becoming an entrepreneur. Founded in 2015, Hololight specializes in immersive software and technologies. In augmented and virtual reality, short XR, the XR expert sees a driver for global digitization and a new way of experiencing and interacting with 3D content. With Interactive Streaming for Augmented Reality, short ISAR, Hololite has developed a remote rendering software component to stream entire XR applications in real time. The technology can be easily integrated into apps and already empowers Hololite's in-house AR engineering software ARES in the industrial sector. In this podcast, we will also talk about how engineers can collaboratively visualize and edit their data-intensive 3D CAD models as holograms, regardless of location. The augmented reality engineering space is complemented by Stylus XR, a high precision XR input device in the form of a pen. Hololite operates its headquarters with over 40 employees in Ismaningen near Munich, Germany, and Innsbruck, Austria. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with Louis Bollinger. So, hi, Louis. Welcome to my podcast. Um, it's really a pleasure to have you on my show. And what we want to start with, as always, can you give us an introduction
1: to yourself? Who is Louis and what has, does he actually do? Yeah. Hi, Yusef. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me here. Uh, so yeah, uh, my name is Louis Bollinger. I'm uh, one of four co-founders at Hololite and Hololite is an augmented reality startup. Uh, we are located in uh, Munich and in Innsbruck. And um, I myself, I, I studied business administration um, before I, I had to yeah, cancel my master and, and focus a bit more on the business. And that was in 2016. Um, and so uh, since that time, we, we um, yeah, develop augmented reality software and technology. Mm-hmm. That's great. Can
0: you maybe walk us through the early days of HoloLight? How did it get started? What was the initial idea of you guys, like starting even this company?
1: Yeah. So uh, the four of us, we were students and my three colleagues, they studied physics. Uh, we did not f- found the company uh, inside a, a university uh, format. We we did it on our own. Um, but we 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 actually we saw videos of um, Microsoft Hololens um, and which was introduced in 2015. And um, we were um, passionate about doing something uh, on our own. Um, we worked for for large companies as working students, and we saw that sometimes processes are very uh, yeah. Um, strange, a bit, a bit boring and they take time. And so we wanted to uh, invest our power and energy into our own topic. Uh, we founded the company actually quite early, tried to get uh, some devices from the U S and, um, and thought about which use cases could be interesting. And as uh, two of my colleagues, they, they, they have a, uh, an engineering background. Uh, we very quickly came into this topic and, uh, then, uh, the early days they were quite, uh, quite interesting. We, we were at an accelerator program. Um, one of our uh, colleagues, he, he moved to, to the accelerator program, slept there, uh, opened the door to customers in the morning, just with a towel, <laughs> things like that. And that was quite quite funny in, in the early days. Um, but since that time, we also became a little bit more professional, but still have a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good that you mentioned professional because you also work with professional companies. We'll talk about that maybe in a few minutes. Um, to get the audience a bit on the same level, um some have more experience in AR, VR, and some have less. Can you maybe give us like an overview? What is even
1: AR and what is VR and what is the difference between uh, these two? Yeah, there are, there's uh, a scientific approach, um, which is a little bit difficult because uh, the marketing stories of the large companies, they are a bit different sometimes. So it's, uh, there are several words like augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed on, and extended reality. But I want to focus on, on augmented and virtual reality. And augmented reality is actually a technology uh, which allows you to still see your real environment, but additionally get uh, extra information, 2D and and 3D information. Um, And you use usually smart glasses um, or you use uh, smartphones and tablets um, to to basically look uh, through the glasses or the tablet and see your world plus uh, 3D content. And uh, when you look on virtual reality, uh, you really dive into a fully immersive world. Which means you have a headset, uh, you cannot see your environment usually. And uh, you have uh, a virtual world, 3D objects in front of you, uh, 360 degree around you. And uh, these technologies, they are quite similar because um, the development process, uh, working with a game engine, um, I don't know, preparing 3D content is very similar. Actually, the use cases are a little bit different. And that's why I would say they are like a brother and sister, these two technologies. And uh, you have to, to to check for what use case you want to use it.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you maybe, I think it makes sense to talk about the biggest player in the market
1: uh, when it comes to AR as well as VR. Can you maybe give us a quick intro to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the technology grow, uh, or grew over the last, um, I would say, seven seven years. Um, I, I remember in, in 2013 there was just one player in Germany uh, which was called Metaio and uh, everyone who wanted to do something in AR and VR they, they worked with Metaio. But then uh, Apple bought this company and um, suddenly they they were gone. Um, but that was at a time when other companies um, uh, started to, to work on, on these processes. And uh, the biggest ones nowadays um, from a hardware side are, uh, for example, Microsoft providing um, the HoloLens 2 um, AR smart glasses, but also um, a, a few VR headsets in, in cooperation with um, hardware providers like Lenovo or HP. And there is Apple and Google as the big players, um, and these two companies, they provide um, Let's say technology components um, like the AR Kit and AR Core, which helps developers to create applications. And uh, then you have to differentiate between the the consumer market and the enterprise market. We are in the enterprise market and are actually a, a quite big player, um, I would say, um, and um, with with more than, than 40, 50 people just focusing on this topic. And um, they're in in of course, in the consumer market, my, some people might know Niantic. Uh, Niantic Labs, the, the provider of Pokemon Go. Um, Pokemon, yeah, Pokemon Go is some kind of AR application because uh, as a user you can see the the Pokemon in, in your real world, but um, to be honest also most people uh, don't use that feature because it's more simple to catch them if you don't activate the AR mode. So um, these are like Big names, big players, um, and it's depending usually also in in which direction you you go as a as a company or as a user, and then you will find also some other names in the market.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, Luis. Thanks so much. Um, what I also want to talk about is you m- quickly mentioned it, the B2C and B2B market. Um, can you maybe differentiate between those two? What is the difference, especially for for your application? And what are your target ma- target customers, or what do they look like?
1: yeah so we focus on the on the b two b market we focus on enterprises um, usually um, companies from the automotive sector mechanical engineering sector um, or or manufacturing sector and um, I would say that these companies um, usually the, the the big corporates they are also drivers for innovation and that's why we worked quite early with them together and and thought about use cases thought about what can we, can we do and How can we use that technology? And that's why a lot of the stuff is happening in in the B2B sector. Um, If you have a look on virtual reality, um, then you will realize that devices like PlayStation VR, Oculus uh, Quest or Oculus Rift uh, and the HTC um, products, they are available also for consumers and VR gaming and VR entertainment uh, is um, let's say a bit closer to the consumer. Um, it has to do also with the price point. Uh, VR headsets are a bit cheaper um, with the gaming industry they 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 kind of know how to how to use such a technology and um, but also VR is obviously also used uh, in a lot of enterprise use cases um, and um, that's why both technologies have a little bit different target groups and um, if you look on the augmented reality side for consumers here's I would say where we have like a little a lag today because um, there's kind of the smart the cheap smart glasses allowing you to to have AR experiences this is kind of a missing point nowadays uh, mobile AR smartphones tablets is is already quite big and you could also say that uh, solutions like Snapchat, they they have kind of AR features because you have filters and you can see your environment, mm-hmm. but it's it's not the AR we, where we want to go and, and which will definitely come also in the next uh, one to three years. And um, so um, whenever you get or see check the news, you have to, to check also what kind of uh, direction is it? Is it a B2B application, B2C? And you will have to differentiate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, before we jump
0: into the use cases. Where we can actually use AR technology, can you maybe quickly explain why did you decide for the Hololens or Hololens Two um, and not choose any other device? What's the reason for that?
1: Yeah. So first of all, we are a software provider, um, so um, we uh, try to be compatible with several hardware devices, and um, we recommend the the best hardware for the for the for the use case of our customers. And uh, very often so far, it, it has been um, the Hololens 2 as a device, as um, relevant features are quite good. Um, if you use an AR device, it's very important that uh, the device has a good tracking, which means it's uh, the device is able to to recognize your environment and put holograms, 3D content, stable in a room, so that you can walk around it and interact uh, very um, very comfortable with it. Um, it has to do with um, the, the field of view of the device it has to be uh, it, it's, uh, it's uh, also the technology infrastructure around it which um, helps us and also customers to to make uh, to benefit from a, from a hardware. But I also have to say that um, mobile uh, phones or smart uh, smartphones tablets they are also important to us um, because um, sometimes uh, it's, it's better to, to use a tablet because it's more simple to, to show it to others. And sometimes uh, smart glasses is better because you can have a more immersive experience. Uh, you can work hands-free for example, because uh, you don't have to take the, or grab the, the, the smartphone or the tablet. And uh, so uh HoloLens is a really good device in, in, in the AR market. Um, but uh, it's really also here depending on your use case, uh, on, on things like your return on investment because um, smart glasses usually are a bit more expensive than, than handhelds. And so um, we as a software company want to be able to provide our software on, on a lot of platforms and then let uh, also the customer decide what's, what's best for, for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes absolute sense.
0: And Luis, can you maybe go a little bit into depth when it comes to uh, CAD or CAE? For those who are not familiar with it, it's like computer-aided engineering and computer-aided design. And
1: maybe walk us through some use cases that you have personally worked with. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, we were a bit crazy because we focused on on the on the CAD market, which uh, usually has uh, complex 3D CAD files. And uh, they have to be visualized now on a on a mobile device, uh, while it was, it has been already or in the past, uh, they, they run on yeah, performance workstations. So it was a bit challenging in the beginning, but um, as we have the background and as we see a huge benefit in this use case, we, uh, we did a lot of stuff. And I want to uh, start by explaining uh, how our some of our customers use it. Uh, if we have a look on BMW, um, we work together with, with uh, the guys uh, located in Munich and uh, they have a prototyping use case. So, so far they had to produce a lot of prototypes um, manually. Uh, The costs were very high and it took some time until they could get it um, and check designs like um, the things like is the engine fitting inside the car body? Um, How is um, the the chassis looking like? Can we make a change here? Um, Is it possible to assemble a part inside the car? because it's, uh, this is very critical when it comes to the service use case afterwards. And so BMW has to take care about a lot of things. And they uh, usually a prototyping process takes a few years also for, for a car. And that's why they have a lot of prototypes. And it, it's obviously also expensive. And what they want to do is they want to, or what they do now is that they visualize virtual prototypes, combine them with real existing uh, hardware and prototypes and, and see for example how do things fit and uh, what they what they are able to do is they can make now design decisions, um, concept ev- evaluations up to 12 months earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, really, really good and um, that's, that's where they can benefit. And uh, how do they do this? Um, they use uh, our software ARES which is our augmented reality engineering space and uh, this software allows the visualization of their own 3D CAD models. So uh, the import of the files is very simple. And uh, here they go, they have the 3D model, and then they have several uh, CAD features to work with the the model. It's not about just uh, making a design review and visualizing it. Uh, You you need to be able to make some some basic changes at least. And that's why we have the hierarchy tree with all individual parts, which you can highlight, hide uh, and and, and move. Uh, We have features like the cross section where you have a real-time uh, possibility to slice through an object and get another perspective on it. And uh, all these kinds of features, they are really important uh, to, to these engineers. And um, there are also some, some small tricky things like, um, topics like uh, where's the center? Se- um, when I want to rotate an object, do I use the center or the pivot um, of the of the object? Um, this has to do with the import settings and ha- how do I how do I save uh, my 3D CAD models in my CAD system? And here we, we have workflows who are um, not that easy, I, I think, to address. Um, but here is also where we have our strength. And uh, we have other companies like uh, BASF, a chemical company, they, they use our technology in factory planning where, and they want to close the gap between the real virtual planning and the on-site situation inside the factory which is not always the same. And so um, they benefit from visualizing machines, pipe systems inside the factory. So just two examples to mention.
0: Mm -hmm. Could you, if someone is not familiar, also before we jump into CAD itself, like the format, maybe let me quickly ask, is the system you're using, is it CAD format agnostic? Like, is it irrelevant which format I use or is it like only specific for formats? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, uh, what we have is we have, uh, native importers for some file formats, um, JT, for example, OBJ, uh, GLTF, um, and, uh, and I think FBX, and, uh, we have a converter pipeline, um, for other file formats. Um, we have, um, the, or customers have the opportunity to use, um, basically their, their own existing software to, um, to. Yeah, get the final or the the right file format, uh, which we are able to import, or they can use um, a converter pipeline like um, from Autodesk Forge, for example. They they have a conversion service. Uh, Pixies is a conversion service. Um, so also people who have today STEP files or other file formats, they are able to 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 uh, to get it in the right format. And here I think we created a very good um, pipeline and uh, performant importer. Um, so that this process is very, very good.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds very promising. Also, uh, what I could imagine, because I'm an engineer, I work with CAD models as well, they can be quite big and very complex. Um, what if the, the glasses or the whole lens will render it and there are too many polygons? How how does the system of you, or how can we o- overcome this bottleneck of high render costs?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a very good question, and and to be honest, in our first two years, we did not really have a good solu- solution for that. Um, it's it's a major problem of the entire ARV community, I would say. So everyone who wants to visualize uh, 3D objects, but also prepare a training use case on a machine, um, you always work with 3D models which have to be uh, which have to be rendered, and. Um, the limited performance of mobile devices is uh, is definitely a problem. And so usually the limit of of the number of polygons on a HoloLens, for example, is at 2 million polygons. And what you had to do so far is that you had to reduce, um, simplify your 3D model. But on the other side, then you have a loss in quality and that's what uh, an engineer does not want to have. You want to visualize your, your model in, in high quality because you want to see the details, you want to see uh, the screws and, uh, and all the details. And that's why we um, developed an, a new approach. Um, we outsourced the rendering from the limited hardware to external servers. Mm-hmm. And um, so the entire application, our application Ares, is no longer running on an XR device. It's now running on an external server, a workstation or the cloud. And it's streaming the entire application, including the 3D model to, uh, to, the, to the device. And this allows us to use more uh, GPU and, and uh, CPU. Um, and uh, this way we are able to visualize uh, 3D CAD models in, in high quality with all the details and uh, with no extra effort in preparing the data um, or, or reducing the data. And I think that was a very important step for us. And it's also um, a very important step for the entire community because uh, this is something we are able to provide as an SDK uh, to others.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so interesting, and that also means because you are running it on external GPU, um, that this is v- basically very fluent. You feel no that there's mm-hmm. no buffering,
1: no lags whatsoever, right? Yeah. So um, when we are when we start to stream some, uh, something from uh, from an external hardware to the to the client device. Um, we have to take care about uh, the, the latency. We need low latency to have um, um, a stable uh, and, and comfortable experience, but we are able to achieve that um, even with the cloud. So let's say we use um, cloud resources in Frankfurt uh, and, and I'm located here in Munich. Uh, that's, that's not an issue. Um, the, the, the experience, the AR experience uh, is very, very good. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy to do that. And for that, uh, we developed uh, the SDK. I mentioned it before. Uh, it's called ISAR, um, like the river through through, through, uh, through Munich. And uh, it stands for Interactive Streaming for Augmented Reality. And this is um, definitely a, a new approach. And um, I would say a, a game changer also for, for the AR, VR industry.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's assume I would be a customer and I come to HoloLight and I want to t- test your application. So maybe buy something from you. Um what questions do I have to ask myself before I even go to you?
1: Um, I think it's, um, you have to know your, your problems a little bit. Um, because um, what we like to do is also start uh, by listening. And uh, we want to understand a little bit how how you as a customer work. Because we also experience, experience that in B2B, um, processes, they are never a hundred percent the same. So there's a, definitely automotive companies work a little bit different than mechanical engineering companies. And also Daimler and BMW, they don't have a, exactly the same processes. They use different, different uh, software systems and, and things like that. So for us, it's important to understand the, the problem. And um, here, usually we go into a, um, a discussion with the customers and uh, and then we are able to provide a good solution obviously um we we focus on this engineering use case so we usually don't go to customers and and tell them hey we have uh, i don't know a, a viewing use case for for museums or things like that because that's not our focus but uh in in this um in this engineering world which is quite quite big um we are able to identify different use cases together and so you have to ask yourself really what is your problem how is, is AR and VR, might this be a, an opportunity or a solution, a way to go? And, uh, and then we start the discussion. And then we talk about hardware requirements. We talk about the workflow. Uh, we talk about uh, your users, are they experienced? Are they not so experienced with AR, VR? And, and how do we uh, have to start this? And, and then at a certain point, we also have to talk to the IT uh, and, and implement it in a, in, a, in a way that it can be used inside the company.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. I think it would also make sense because you're also um, representing your company sometimes in expos. I think it would make sense if I'm a potential customer to
1: come to these expositions and see actually what HoloLight can provide for me as a customer. Uh, that's that's uh, absolutely right. I mean, AR and VR are definitely technologies that you have to try. Um, it's um, I can make a video and, and record what I see through, through my lenses, but um, it, it will be a 2D video for you. I have the 3D experience, you have a 2D Mm -hmm. video. And so it's really the best thing is to try it. Uh, Of course, we have also free trials of our of our solutions in in the in the stores of the devices. So um, that's um, quite simple. And and we want to lower the barriers for the people to to try it. And um, because I I think it's it's um, people um, are in the last years, we had to do a lot of technology evangelism. So we have to tell the people not just what our product is, but what is AR and VR in general? Uh, and this became much easier uh, as people are now um, um, yeah, on, a, on, a, on a better level. They understand the technology a little bit better, the use cases, so the potential. And, and, and even some of them uh, already have, um, yeah, I don't know, use cases where they really calculated their return on investment um, and, and what they actually need. And so the discussion changed a little bit. Um, but we also saw that companies are not on the on the same level usually. Uh, some of them they are more into the AR VR topic, and some of them they they just started. And um, so trying things is definitely a good way to start.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, what I want to ask is, let's say, I'm I'm an interested customer. And how can how could I reach out to you, once I'm sure I want to use AR technology for my uh,
1: use cases. Um, so. We are definitely uh, on all the all the channels you can imagine. So um, I would say uh, going over over LinkedIn and just contacting someone of our team is good. Checking out the website uh, hollowminerslight.com um, is definitely also worth um, to try. Or we also offer webinars because we we think that um, and and also our webinars are not like sitting in front of of a of a computer and talking to you. We we try to create um, a discussion between people. Uh, we we have a lot of examples of other companies. I think it's it's good to see how do others use uh, the technology, and um, yeah, reach out to me. Um, visit our webinar next week. Um, I mean, we are definitely open to present this technology to you. And uh, um, maybe at uh, nowadays you have you have a bit more time because you're not sitting in the office. So take the opportunity to visit our webinars and then uh, check it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds very promising. And uh, of course I will put every link down in the description. And um, what I also would be interested in, uh, is where do you see the future of HoloLight going or the few fu- let's, let's start maybe start with this, the future of
1: AR, VR in general. And then of course the future of HoloLight per se, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would, I would split the future of AR VR in, in, in several steps, because I, I think in the next, uh, one, two, a maximum three years um, we will see huge improvements or we will see more and more companies um, also using the technology in a, in a at a larger scale having not just uh, maybe a department with one or two people uh, using the technology but instead having hundreds of people using it and um, here we will we will see more users and um, we will we also saw in the last years um, a shift from project oriented work to a more product focused and and more scalable approach. And um, this will, this way will continue. And um, there will be also more and more new hardware um, devices coming to the market. Um, Everybody's waiting for Apple to enter the market um, or the biggest consumer company uh, in the world. So, there are always rumors about, um, about their glasses and um, I think as soon as something like this is coming to the market uh, it will definitely uh, change also the consumer market and then everybody will be aware of the topic. Um, we also need killer applications uh, like, like we say. Um, yeah, when the smartphone came to the market a few very important features were calling somebody, making a picture that was already worth it because you did not have to buy your camera Uh, you just had everything in your smartphone and uh, we need similar things for for smart glasses um, and uh, things like uh, google maps in ar that you have arrows on the real road showing you the direction these are these are things that are very cool and and help people to benefit from the technology and uh, that's why i see also um really um a different way of how we consume content and how we how we uh how we interact with people uh, this will definitely change in the next five years, probably, and uh, and then um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, we also have to be uh, or take the responsibility to create a world in, in where we can use it in a, in a positive way. Uh, there have to be rules. Um, things like advertising, you have to think about how do I how do I manage it? I don't want to have advertising all all around me, and uh, so we have to also make uh, some limitations maybe in this directions. But uh, I'm sure that we can do it uh, step by step, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm really looking looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. When it comes, maybe
0: if we st- take a step back to engineering applications, mm-hmm. do you have other use cases? Maybe uh, could we theoretically use your application, an um, AR application for let's say computational fluid dynamics or finite element
1: analysis? Would it be possible theoretically? Yeah, I, I have an example from the from the simulation world. Uh, we work together with uh, BASF um, with the. Performance Materials Department. So um, ESF is um, one of the biggest uh, chemical indus- uh, chemical companies in the world, mm. and they produce plastics. And usually, they have also a simulation service when they buy pro- uh, when they sell products to their customers. Um, which means, let's say you are a company and you want to order chairs fully made of plastic. Um, it is it was always difficult for for the customers to understand um, how. How much pressure can I put on the on the chair before it's it's uh, crashing, mm-hmm. um, or things like temperature um, of of the of uh, products um, how hot can the plastics become before before they melt things like that were very difficult for them to communicate and so um, we um, we created um basically a, a viewer for simulation results, so um, I will explain a little bit the workflow. Um, BSF does all the the pre-processing and then they they use the software Paraview Um, and with Paraview they do post-processing and they export a file format called VTK Mm -hmm. uh, which is an open source file format and this VTK file um, we are able to import the VTK file into our AR application and then you can see the file and uh, if, if the file includes for example time steps you can really see how uh, plastics are breaking. Uh, you can see um, how is the temperature changing, uh, things like that. And um, you have to imagine it, it like this nowadays, um, there's a person from, uh, from BSF sitting together with a customer, both of them wearing glasses, and they're talking about this, um, about this virtual uh, simulation result. And uh, this helps the customer to better understand um, the, the specifications of the product and uh, they they are using this technology, and uh, this is uh, I think um, um, a great a great benefit and a really cool uh, use case.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you have this uh, CAD pipeline, right? So mm-hmm. it's quite tedious for engineers to always convert stuff to one file format to another, and mm-hmm. this is bas- basically it, it it falls away, basically, right? You don't have to do it.
1: Um, it's, it is a challenge for us to support all native, uh, file file imports. Um, and so we had to select a file format that covers, um, or that is used by a lot of people. Um, we, um, we talked to, to BSF and asked them, what do you use? What do you think others are using? Uh, we, we chose the, the VTK as it's an open source file format and, um, it's, uh, for pair review users, um, quite good. Um, we're probably not able to cover all the file formats natively uh, today, um, but uh, this is always a challenge. And we're talking in the end to our customers: what do they need? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they request um, the, the import of a specific file format, we definitely sit down together with them, and if uh, and then include this into our um, into our uh, application. And um, it is a challenge, um, but um, we focus on the, of course, on the biggest file formats um that are used um across several industries.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you maybe also talk about the pricing model? I would be interested in that. How does the pricing model look like and what can I
1: expect as a customer in terms of pricing? Yeah. So um I, I cannot tell you just one one price because uh, our software is um there are different versions I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a yearly license model for mm-hmm. our software um so um that's that's where we started that was um, simple to use Um, also the the purchasing departments of companies uh, they they kind of know this model Um, and we now see a little change in the in the in the business model because uh, we are we're coming from a from a side where it was clear this is your solution you can use it for a year Um, but now we're going also more and more to to the cloud uh, use external resources to render, uh, free models. And here we have, um, also then, uh, pay, uh, pay per use models, uh, because, um, if you're using cloud resources, you, you only pay when you're using them. And so the business model is also changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this is, um, a benefit, um, if, uh, because you, you can, um, yeah, you only pay for what you use. This is quite good. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that opens um, that it makes also easier for people to, to start because you do not have to invest a lot of money in the yeah. beginning um, and uh, here um, we see definitely um, this development in this direction and uh, so also within next year uh, we will we will move also a little bit more in this direction
0: hmm that's super interesting. Yeah. I see that parallel with uh, cloud-based simulation providers, for example, mm-hmm. only pay for what you use. Super interesting. Um, and yeah. what is your, what is your mission statement? I mean, you had an idea at the beginning, we talked about this, uh, why you founded the company, what is your mission statement? What is your vision? Let's say,
1: where do you see HoloLight in 10 years? Yeah. So we see ourselves uh, as an enabler, um, for the entire XR community. Um, we provide, um, on one hand, um, the software for end users in the engineering sector, but um, we saw that we, or, or we developed so many technology components like the ISR SDK for streaming XR applications that, that we say, okay, our vision is, is actually even a bit bigger. Because uh, with, with this technology components, we enable new use cases, new business models, and um, we want to provide this um, also not, not just to us for our own use case, but to, to others. And so we really see ourselves as an enabler for, for the XR community. And uh, I think that's where we will continue on our way. And that's really also our vision. Uh, if you ask, um, um, I don't know, any kind of person in, in 10 years, what kind of technology do you use to do this and that, then um, yeah, the answer should, should be Hololite. Mm. That's
0: perfect. I like it. I like also the enthusiasm behind it. And I really see that you're moving forward also with everything you're currently offering in terms of webinars, videos. I saw some videos and I will also put links of very interesting engineering applications down in the description so people can have a look at them. Um, Luis, anything else from your side, maybe some misconceptions
1: people have about AR in general. Um, I think, I think you, I know a lot of people who tried, um, let's say, one application on a trade fair, and they kind of said, "Okay, this is nothing for me. I, I don't like it." Um, you have to take a bit more time, I think, to to check out things. There's, there's not. You cannot just try one solution and say everything is bad. Um, I think most people do a good job out there, and I think it's. Uh, a task for the entire community to to help everybody to understand the technology better. So we we talk a lot also to other uh, software providers and, and and work together with the hardware providers. I would I would definitely like to to motivate you to try it, uh, the technology to think about how to use it, um, because it so many use cases prove that there that there is a big benefit of the technology. Uh, digitization in general is is one of the biggest drivers. Um, uh, of our of our of our yeah entire world nowadays and i i think um it's uh yeah, yeah you have to 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 be to check out uh what's going on and and you can be sure that uh in in one month so many things are happening that uh you 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 have to try yeah once in a while
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really uh, optimistic and I really love that you push this forward. I have to repeat myself again, because I also think a lot of people are kind of evolutionary resistant. They don't want the new technology to be coming, but I think it's very important that we have people like you being visionary and pushing this forward. So I'm really, really proud, but also very excited about this. So, um, with that being said, Louis, I thank you so much for your time. And I'm really looking forward maybe to a part two uh, where we can talk about more applications uh, where you use TolerLight or like the applications that you offer. Um, yeah, anything else from your side that you want to tell the audience?
1: No, thank you very much. I I'm, I appreciate um, the the time you take also to talk about uh, such innovative topics, and I think it's it's really relevant also for the for the engineers out there. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really happy that I had the chance to to talk to you guys out there, and um, I can definitely recommend to watch this podcast because I I like it a lot. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Do perfect. That.
0: Yeah. I'll push it out as fast as I can. No worries about that. So with that being hey. said, Louis, thank you so much. And uh, as I mentioned, hopefully there will be a second part and yeah, take care, good luck and bye. Bye.
1: Yeah. See you. See you. <laughs>